Welcome to Behind the Tools. Here's Tradeify CEO and your host, Michael Steckler. Great. Hi, everyone. Uh, welcome to another episode of Behind the Tools with Tradeify. Um, this week, uh, we've got someone who isn't uh, technically on the tools, but does a lot of work with uh, trades companies. So I'm very happy to have um, John Mailer on the show from ProTrade. John, welcome to the show. Thanks, Michael. Great to be here. Yeah, great to have you. And uh, John is based, uh, for, for our listeners, we've got listeners all over the world, or viewers as well, This is on, those watching this on YouTube. Um, John is based in Brisbane, third biggest city, I think, in, in Australia, uh, capital of Queensland. Um, 280 days a year of sunshine is what I read. Is that true? Well, I, I, not that I've counted, Michael, but um, it's one of the reasons I sort of moved up here from the southern states, because it had that attraction factor. Uh, cool. So, yes, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's it. 20, 25 degrees Celsius, though, I believe. 78 degrees Fahrenheit for those that are in the, the US or who like Fahrenheit. Um, yeah. It's very pleasant. Yeah, love, oh, it's, it's lovely. It's a great place. And um, um, it's a great place also for you know, business owners to sort of you know, build a business as well. So Yeah, cool. And maybe do you want to start, uh, John, by sort of talking, explaining a bit about ProTrade, what you do and how you set the business up would be would be a good starting point. Yeah, certainly. So, you know, uh, Reader's Digest version, which is almost like the compressed version, you know, I I, I actually went to ag college um, when I left school and actually went to become a shearer and a, and a, uh, and a jackaroo and a, and a stock manager on some properties around Australia. And, uh, you know, then I sort of left left that field, did some landscaping for a while, and um, and you know when you're a bit younger, you just sort of do what you feel is enjoyable at the time, and not yeah. necessarily focused on rent, you know making the money. And and over time, I, I wound my way into the fitness industry, and we got asked um, over time. I set up a personal training business that um, we employed about twenty trainers in Brisbane, and then I got asked to uh, implement the business systems that I'd created into health clubs all around Australia and New Zealand, and. Yeah. Um, about 150 of myself and a business partner took that on. But the offshoot of that, Michael, was that um, we also got asked to do not just systems, but can you run workshops on marketing and sales and, um, and customer service? And we sort of said yes to everything, like most people do when you're sort of working yeah. it all out. And, um, and over time, we created a, a business college that really, you know, um, served a small business community with a lot of training and development and coaching and advisory. Unfortunately, around 2011-12, um, we had some changes in, um, in funding for traineeships, which we were running, and we, we, uh, we had to shrink our business overnight. 50% of our revenue was cut pretty much within 24 hours, and we had to adapt. And so what we did was, you know, we, we had a look at our customer base and segmented you know, who we were working with. And we recognised that 60 to 70% of our clients were tradies. And yep. we, we had, a, we had a, an avatar, we called them Trev the Tradie, you know, that, you know, and we enjoyed working with them. And um, they loved to learn, they were practical, you know, just great down-to-earth people. And so we said, listen, there's an opportunity in this, in this space to really niche and I call it eating our own dog food because we were coaching everybody else to niche, yeah. you know, choose and, and select. Um, but we were trying to serve everybody. So that's what we chose. And we created ProTrade United from that just over five and a half years ago um, with a pure emphasis to serve the trading construction space, to give them access to tools, resources, information, connections, collaborations to help them make better decisions in their business and yeah. life as well. So that's the, the short story there, Michael. 
Great. No, it's, re- it's, it's really cool. So it's interesting. I've been speaking to quite a few trades companies you know, on this podcast and, and, and outside of this. And it, it does seem to be a popular trend to either get a business coach or bis- join, join a business network and really get help thinking through some of those things about whether it's cash flow. Sometimes it's for an immediate problem, right? Often it's a trades company that is suddenly running out of money or they have a tax return to do and they're just not sure how the best way to approach that. And so they get some outside help. Um, so it seems to be a different movement towards that. Have you seen that as well in Australia a lot in terms of trades companies sort of either that have been established or setting up, getting, getting advice in that way from companies like yourselves? Absolutely. And you know, what's encouraging about that, Michael, is that, you know, the owners of these businesses are actually going, you know what, I don't know it all. And yeah. I've seen other people who are starting to get businesses that give them the freedom, the financial income. And what are they, what's it? what are they doing that I'm not doing? And how come... I'm still working 80 hours, 90 hours a week struggling and got no money in the bank. And they've just taken a month off to go traveling with their family. Hang on. There's, there's got to right. be something that I'm missing here, you know? So I and think it's that, very... Is that the reason? Yeah, it's very, so, sorry to interrupt. Is that, is that the reason? Yeah. Is that the, one of the drivers is sort of aspirational? Isn't they see other people that are doing similar things and maybe having a fuller life or working, maybe not quite as not working the hours. Is that is that what drives some of that behavior in terms I, of finding a coach? Yeah, well, there's... Two, two, two aspects. I think one is, yeah, they get inspired and they think, well, if it's, I look at you and say, possible for Michael, maybe it's possible for John. Yeah, maybe I'll yeah. just, maybe when I'm, when I'm having, you know, I catch up with Michael, I'll ask him what he's doing. Or I'm, I'm acting from desperation. You know what? I just can't do this anymore. You know, I've got yeah. a mortgage to pay. I've, I've got kids going through school. I'm not seeing them as I grow up and surely there's got to be a better way. So yeah. I think the com- you know, the mixture of both of those is having people sort of ask the question. Yeah. And then sort of from going from personal training, uh, which is quite interesting, sort of going from doing the personal training stuff to, you know, the business that you set up originally, how did you end up working with trades companies? What, what made you start to work with them? Or was that just more organic that they approached you? How did that, how did that play out? Yeah. Well, when we had the business college that was serving everybody, um, we had, you know, 60% of our clients were pretty much tradies at the time or husband and wife teams, you know, and, and even now 40% of our clients are husband and wife teams. Yeah. Um, some of that's created by default. Some of it's by design. And a lot of the time it's by default, you know, that the guy goes out on the tools, he works really hard, he needs a hand with the books and so the missus gives him a hand after hours. And the next thing you know, they're running the company together. And um, one of the things we really chose, because we're always going to need, people in the construction industry it's not something you can offshore you know it's very right. you, can't, you know it's not technology is not going to replace people um yeah. and so there's always going to be a need to support that trade across australia and new zealand um because they're not going away it's not going to be they're not going to be dissolved and they're a major factor in uh, employing lots of people around the country as well so that's one of the reasons why we chose it yeah i would know i i agree i think it's one of the topics that's been coming up quite regularly is how to attract more younger people into the trades, right? One of the biggest issues tends to be finding great staff and people that can do do the work. Um, and, you know, apprenticeships is a good way to sort of fill that gap, but it's it's tough for a lot of companies to find those reliable people. And some of that is attracting people through. And I think one of the, the attractions for younger people is that, A, you can build a decent business, as the one you mentioned, right? The person that went away for a month and has built a business that allows them to have a certain lifestyle. Um, and two, you know, uh, touch wood, you're always going to need uh, tradespeople 
doing this stuff right mm -hmm. it's not like it's that suddenly changes uh, overnight in terms of the, the economy so um yeah that's a, that's a really good point and then what do you see when you when you meet people you talked about you know the two kind of use cases that you tend to see which is either insp inspirational as in they've met someone and thought right i want to be more like that how do i sort of adapt my business so i can behave in that way and the other one which is desperation could you give me a couple of you know what are the common challenges you tend to see once you once you've met one of those businesses and gone in what are the things you tend to see the themes running through them that you help fix yeah yeah and, and great question because the one the, the one thing that we've identified is that i would say 98 percent of these business owners don't know what the next best step to take is they know they need to do something uh but they don't know what that is and because there, as you know, in business, there's so many directions you can take. There's so many aspects to your work on, but they're just, they're just lost of what, what's the next thing I should be doing. And because every business is at a different stage and we've created what we call a business roadmap where it helps business owners identify where they are on the journey. And right. very, very quickly, we, after you know, a handful of questions, we can identify where they are on that roadmap. And wherever they are, what are the next steps to take to progress, you know, and, yeah, and yeah. just, you know, versus, okay, let's be subjective here. Let's try and feel out where you're at. No, let's be really clear. Have you got this? Have you got this? Have you got this? If no, then this is where we need to go. If yes, then let's progress up to the next level. Right. And, you know, that's based around four areas, you know, the biggest challenges that you asked for, you know, mainly understanding financials. Yeah, you know, yeah. and understanding the financial aspect of their, their business and how to manage and, and monitor the money. Secondly, it's how to acquire the right customers. You know, uh, trades business owners are very good at saying yes to everyone. You know, yeah. yes to everything yeah. and everyone. Versus, hey, listen, who would you really love to work with? If you could choose your dream customer, let's have a look at how we create a workflow and a schedule that's full of that. So then it's about production processes how do you create consistency on the job each and every day yeah. and then as you grow your business how do you create a team that helps you support the business as much as you're excited about it as well that's great i mean you touched on a few themes there which i think are really interesting and i, I sort of start with the obvious one well, there's financials which is, is an obvious one that, that comes up about cash flow forecasting even how you charge all those types of things which are often um you know, areas that, that many businesses have, have, have struggled with um, and you touched on hiring, which I think is an interesting one as well, that, that lots of companies we speak to seem to don't necessarily have the right. The, the funniest story I heard was how one company hired people if they could catch the keys, they'd throw the van keys at them. If they caught the keys, they'd hire them. You know, not the best way to decide whether someone's going to be a reliable, uh, reliable employee. But, but, you know, so there are definite areas where there's, there's, there's lots of help. Where do you spend the most time, do you think, or is it pretty evenly across all of those dimensions? Well, when we, we um, start with a company, we, we have a look based on, on the roadmap of where they are. Um, let's make sure those foundations in place. And we have, we have three stages, we call them a foundation stage, a framework stage, and then there's the fulfillment stage. Um, right. And a lot of businesses want to get to the fulfillment stage where they can take time off and you know um, have good cash flow in their business, but they're not prepared to spend time in building the foundations. Right. you know, and, and, and then working through the framework. So for us, the foundations is all about understanding your financials. You know, let's not keep your head in the sand. Let's pull your head out of the sand. Let's get real that if you don't know the numbers in your business, you don't know your business. And that's yeah. really yeah. the key. And, and, and you probably see this with the, with the trading construction business owners. Most of them have never been taught how to manage money. 
most right. of them, you know, have a, a phobia of, you know, looking at a spreadsheet or understanding those types of things. And I get it. I failed maths at school. You know, I ran from it. I didn't want to sit down there and aim to understand it. But now as a business owner, I get that if I'm not prepared to be responsible around managing money, monitoring the ins and outs, learning how to price effectively, um, then I don't deserve to have a business that can grow and develop and give me the freedom and the time back. That makes sense? So that's where we start. Yeah. Yeah, it makes, it makes perfect sense because it feels like one of the things that you referenced, uh, which I think is important, is having that sort of vision, whether it's two, three years, whatever it is, to say, here's where we want to be. And then kind of what you're essentially saying is, okay, here's the things you're going to need to do to get you there on that journey, right? And one of those is to get your house in order in terms of what are the customers you're going to have, how much money is that going to make you, how many of those customers do you need to make that money? Mm. And then that allows you to progress to the next step, which might be going to hire our first employee or hire someone else and then grow our customer yeah. base. Um, I think that's really important. It seems like a, the people that have had success seem to have done that very effectively, which is just write that business plan. Here's where I want to get to. This is the path that's going to get me there. And I sort of strongly recommend for most trades, small business trades companies, that's a really good yeah. exercise to go through. And you touched on picking the right customer, which I, I agree is a really commonplace issue around um, usually often with new businesses that are just keen to get things started. So they'll sort of take work from ads and other places which don't always provide the best fit in mm. terms of customer in terms of price you're prepared to pay um you know when they pay all those types of things how do you coach companies around not doing that and how do they think about their sort of ideal customer yeah the well it's it's about choosing i mean when businesses start out um it, it's very easy to say yes to everything um yeah. because you need you need some income you need a bit of cash you need something to give you some momentum but you know, over whilst you whilst you're saying yes to everything and anything, which is there's nothing wrong with that. It's inherently starting to think about well, if I could gradually choose, where would I go? And we encourage you know business owners to become specialists in a particular space, not a generalist, because right. if you're a generalist, you sort of have to be around with everybody else. You know, it's almost like you're at you know you'll be like the seagull scrapping over the last chip when things get a little bit tight yeah. because you're no different to anybody else. So if you can say, well, I'm going to specialize in this particular field. So for example, it could be, you know, a uh, an electrical company and the electrical company says, well, you know, I'm yeah, I do a bit of construction and I do a bit of service and maintenance and I do a bit of residential and a bit of commercial and the odd bit of in, you know, and I said, okay, well let's 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 play the game if you could choose. If you could choose, right. and we have a, a six-step category to identifying your dream customer, but if you could choose to be a specialist in one particular area, say, okay, I want to choose residential, and I want to be service and maintenance, and I'm going to work in the property management and real estate game right. um, and service that niche, and you know what? I'm going to be the best that I possibly can and be known as the specialist in that field. You can then get to charge a little bit more. You know, general practitioners can't charge anywhere near the amount that a specialist can charge. Yeah, you know, and, yeah. and that's where we want to have our clients aim is how do you become a specialist so you can charge like a specialist and people will pay for specialist rates. Yeah, we I, I had examples of that in the uh, in the UK with electricians then decided early on was, you know, they're going to specialize in EV and basically fixing Tesla charge points, right? And there weren't that many that were doing it at that time. And you build that reputation around being the company that's there. Obviously, you do other work as well. But uh, I think it's a really good way to think about it and I guess it depends on your level of competition in your chosen area if you're the I've another mm. example of an electrician who said well I'm the only, only electrician in this region so I don't need to I don't need to advertise I'm going to get all the work but it, it, I think it differs if you're in a bigger city that's probably not going to be the case so that specialism is 
is important um, for sure. And then what's the most, you know, when you when you lift the lid up um, or go under the hood with these businesses, what's the most common, what's the sort of usual horror stories that you see that you usually help fix straight, straight out the door? Yeah, well, one of the things that um, we see, and when I talk about the business roadmap, the anal an analogy we use is climbing a mountain. Yep, so you can imagine a road going up a mountain. And a lot of people are trying to imitate, you know, the people who are way up the mountain, but they haven't even reached base camp yet. You know, they haven't right. even got to the point where they can acclimatize. So they're trying to imitate and mimic businesses that are, have done all the work. They've got the, the groundworks in place. And they said, oh, listen, you know what? I've hired my first three team players. I'm going to go and play golf three days a week now. And it's almost like, well, hang on a tick. Yes, you could choose to play golf, but let's look at a way that your team are really supported first and let's pace yourself through that. Yeah. So that's one of the key things there is that A, they're trying to mimic a business that they're not ready to be at yet. And that's okay, but we just want to bring you back a little bit. Let's smooth this, you know, slow is smooth, smooth is fast. You may have heard, heard that yeah. analogy. And the other thing is that, um, as I said, they, they say yes to everything and anything, but they don't value who they are as an individual. And so what happens is when you don't value who you are, your expertise, um, you don't charge what you're worth. Yeah. And one of the biggest things we see, Michael, is that when we start you know, lifting up the hood and we ask people, how do you work out your pricing? Um, most of them just go, well, I think that's what the going rate is in our industry. Right. And I said, yeah. well, hang on, listen, now let's get really specific. How do you know what you need to charge to make the gross profit and then the net profit to give your business the oxygen consistently? And so something like the hourly charge out, you know, how to work out what it actually costs someone to employ a team player, put them in a van on the road every day of the week. What's that costing you? And it's not just the 30 or $35 an hour you're paying the guy, you know, it's everything on top of that. So that's a big gap, big gap there. We've, we've, we've seen that. I think one of the biggest gaps I've often seen is even taking the charge out rate and then not actually, some people say, okay, I'm going to times it by 365. And you know, actually, how many days are people really going to work? How many holidays are there? And you factor all those things in, you get to a very, very different number. And that's often, and then there's material costs and other things that come into play. And I think the that whole cash forecasting definitely seems to be an issue. And how big a, you know, one of the other things I'm interested in is, you know, I think um, lots of trades companies, but they're, they're fantastic, lots, most are fantastic what they do. They're very good on the tools. Um, you referenced it earlier, right? It's not that they um, don't know how to necessarily do finance. They could probably learn. They just don't enjoy it, which is fair enough, right? Not everyone's wants to be doing yeah. spreadsheets and all those things. How do you bridge that? Like, how have you addressed that when you work with trades companies? Because that, that seems to be a lot of the sort of gap in terms of having the vision of where you want to go and then filling in in terms of forecasting and, and everything else. How do you solve for that? Well, the, the analogy we use is that learning about money and finances in your business is like learning your language. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you can't expect to go from speaking fluent English to, to fluent French, just like that. You know, it's about let's learn the basics of the fundamentals of the language first and then let's apply it often. So that could be, okay, how do I say please and thank you? How do I count to 10? Yeah. You know, how do I sort of learn the basics of the language? And let's, let's just apply that often. And then when you've got that happening, let's go to the next level. And so it's, it's, it's helping people understand that everybody learns a language at a different rate. I mean, you and I have been in business a while now and I still don't know the language to the extent I'd like it to. But it's a lot better than it was when I first started. And so if you can help people understand, it's not an overnight process. It's not something that you'll, 
you know, you can't just plug a microchip into your neck and bang, all of a sudden you can read a spreadsheet, and create a cash flow and right. know that you're charging effectively. So for us, it's, again, taking our clients on a journey and, and when you're starting to climb Mount Everest, let's just take it easy for the first little while, yeah? Let's yeah. not, let, it's about helping people manage their own expectations, I think, Michael. You know, yeah. we don't have any expectations of them, but a lot of our clients, when they first start, think that they should be higher at the mountain than where yeah. they actually are. But that's okay. Let's just pace ourselves, work through it, and we provide all the support that people require to help them grasp that language of their financials. And once they can, they actually start to enjoy it. Believe Which it or is not. great. It's great advice. Well, I think if you have high expectations and you expect, think you're going to be in a certain position by a certain point when you're learning any new thing, whether it's sport, whether it's mm. finance or a language, um, that just leads to frustration and you kind of bail out and don't want to do it anymore. And so I think that's really good advice to exercise some level of patience around that. And, and the key point there is, you know, when you go through that stage of, um, we call it unconscious incompetent, where you just don't know yeah. what you don't know. And then you go to this conscious incompetence, which is like, oh my goodness, there is so much I've got no idea about. Yeah. And that's really scary because it's like, oh, maybe I'll prefer to be back where I just didn't know what I didn't know. And so if they can get through this phase where, you know what, there's a truckload of things I've got no idea about in business, but you know what, I'm prepared to just do it one step at a time and consciously apply them. And then yeah. you get to that unconscious incompetence stage where it just becomes a natural language to speak. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And then... You know, there's, you've got some case studies on your website and there's lots of companies you work with. Is there any company that you're most proud of that you've sort of that come in and you've helped transform from being in one position to then growing to something else? Well, there's, yeah, one it stands out, a couple of stand out in particular, but there's, we have a, um, we have a guy who, when he first started working with us, came out of bankruptcy. He, he'd grown his electrical company way too quickly. You know, he was young and single and it was about how fast you could grow your company and put one right. van on and two vans on and it, it imploded over time um, and so he sort of came back to us um, and he said listen I want to start something again but I'm going to do it differently this time and I want you guys to work with me all the way and so that's going back seven or eight years ago now and um, he now I mean he's a, he works in the um, in the plumbing field but he's now built from zero to now a million dollars a month in, in business by, by preparing to go and just let's get the foundations in place. Let's get to base camp and acclimatize. Let's regroup often and then let's scale, you know, and let's scale with profit, not hope that profit comes from scale. Right. Yeah. 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 Because yeah. that's what a lot of people go, you know, if I want profit, I've got to scale. Well, no, actually, it's quite opposite if you don't know, you know, how to manage growth. It actually will reduce your profit. So let's get the profit. Uh, let's let's profit from the scaling, doing it well, and then I earn the right to sort of get higher on the mountain. And now yeah. he's got this business where it's you know it's exceptional, and he's such a lovely guy too. It took him a while to overcome the challenges financially um, from his previous business, of course. But we yeah. support him all the way through it, and just a lovely guy who is now part of what we call our mentor circle. And he now is one of the the clients that you know a lot of people love to chat to about. The experience that he's been what through. He's so yeah. yeah, so relatable. Yeah. That's a you, you touched on a really good point there. I've heard lots of companies have got mentors. Usually um often I think one of the the, the nice things about tradies and, and trade companies is how they help each other. Um, even if mm. they're technically in, in other business worlds you might think of yourselves as competitors, but they seem to 
be prepared to share those kind of war stories of what went well, what didn't go well, and and help people out. Is that a, is that something you? you is, I'm interested. That you just touched on that, that you have this kind of network within your crew. Mm. Um, sounds like a really effective way of doing things. Are you seeing more and more of that type of stuff? People prepared to give up time to help other new businesses coming through. Well, once once I think there's this illusion that the people who have created a certain level of success, whatever you call that, you know, are too busy to talk to others. You know, they yeah. versus, you know, actually it's quite the opposite. If you're prepared to pick up the phone, give them a call and say, for example, Michael, I hear you've done some great things in, in, in your company. I'd love to shout your coffee if we could, or even a Zoom call and just pick your brains on the first few yeah. things. I'm sure you'd be surprised at how many people actually go, you know what, 100%, let's make it happen. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. And and Michael, if I could just add to that story, because I I just really want to make a, a key point here that you know a million dollars a month um, and in business is not all about the financials in business. And I just want to share one other story, which is completely different, because I was on your website um, yesterday, and your number one line on the front page is "Get your life back." Yeah, yeah. and yeah. and everybody has a different mountain they want to climb. So for Tim, who's built this business, which is you know, grown and become an international business now. That was his that was his vision. But that I just want to ensure that other people don't use his vision as their vision. Correct. And, yes. And 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 so the opposite side of that is we have two clients at the moment who are have taken three months away to travel on the west coast of Western Australia here. They've set their business up so that their team can operationally take care of everything. Um, they yeah. check in on a weekly basis. And so for them, their currency is not money. Their currency is time. Yeah. And so what's important to work out for the listeners is what's your currency? What's important to you? Yeah. yeah. Um, because it may not be financial return. It could be, I want to spend three months traveling, you know, Australia, New Zealand, wherever it is or wherever I can at the moment. Um and enjoy that valuable time with my family and my loved ones because that's the things that we'll remember forever. Yeah. So I, yeah, I could not not agree. I could not agree more. I mean, that's the the purpose of the, our company. Um, obviously, you know, companies make money and they need to make money, but the purpose was to enable that 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 change in giving people their life mm. back. In as much as they prefer, prefer to be on the tools, not spending hours in the evenings, which is often commonplace. They come back off the tools and have to spend hours trying to figure out how to send invoices or quotes mm. or whatever that might look like. Um, but actually, not every trade company is about growth. Some trade companies are, are actually. Right. No, I'm happy with this number of employees. I'm happy with the work we do. Actually, what I'm really looking to do is get to, for some people, it might be a four-day week. For others, it's to enable other things. And I think that is that is really important. It isn't all about growth. Um, I think your story was valid, valid in as much as he had an ambition, a vision, and then he kind of worked a plan to get to that vision right over, over time. And for some people, that vision might be a four-day week. It may not be uh, the million bucks a month or whatever that looks like. Yeah, and if you were to ask me what is one key thing um, John, that it's important for every business to have in, in place. And that's, I call it their, their vision, their direction. What is it that you're out to accomplish? And yeah. be clear about that. Otherwise, you'll end up down some road that you never expected. And, and that vision or that can, direction can be reset often. You know, it might, it might be for 2021, this is where I'd like to head towards. And then 2022, it might change. And that's quite yeah. okay. But if you don't yeah. have that, then you could be waking up every day, going out into the fog, hoping that, you know, you're heading in the right direction versus I'm really clear about what it is that I'm up for. We all know we do. Yeah, great. Um, last question was around the hiring thing that you mentioned. You know, do you have one piece of advice? And we've spoken about this a few times on this 
on this podcast around, you know, how to approach hiring and how do you pick the right people? I'd love your perspective on sort of the main piece of advice you tend to give companies that you work with around how to hire people. Well, I loved your story before, Michael, when you when you shared one company say used to throw the keys at someone and if they could catch it effectively, well, they got the job. And it sort of reminds me of when I used to play football when I was a bit younger in, in, in country Victoria. And I was never really a, a fantastic player. I'd probably played the seconds or the reserves more than the seniors. But in the reserves, we were always short a few players every week. And so what would happen is there'd be a few um, few people from the club who'd walk around the boundary line with a, with a few jumpers in their arms and they'd look at someone like, hey, Michael, this jumper looks like it fits you. Can you chuck it on? Listen, we don't want you to do much. Can you just sit in the forward line or wave your hands around? Yeah. And, and just fill, fill a spot. And um, that's how a lot of businesses have approached hiring. It's almost like, have you got a pulse? Can you be on site tomorrow at seven? Great, you've got the job. Um, and listen, there's nothing wrong with that, but there's plenty of collateral damage that comes with that approach. So yes. be proactive. And, and the thing I would talk about your vision, start thinking about now who you'd like on your team in six to 12 months time not in six days time. It's about having a look at who's the next best hire for your business, whether it's an apprentice, whether it's a tradesman, whether it's an estimator, whether you need a project manager or a supervisor, because, and then be patient and have a process to follow. Um, Because if you don't have a process, you can be really reactive um, around the way you make decisions. So have a professional approach, like a sporting team starts thinking about who they want on their their, their team and not just weeks ahead but months ahead and years ahead have a process to follow um, and we have you know a checklist that we give our clients on the steps to take the order to take to ensure you're going to hire the right person and the last little one here that keeps coming up is consider attitude as more important than skills yeah, yeah? That's, skills uh, yeah. skills base level skills for your trade obviously important but if you've got someone who with the right attitude who's not quite as skilled but says you know what michael i'd love to work on your team i don't have all the skills but you know what i'm prepared to work early stay late if you can teach me what i need to know that is worth everything i i, I could not agree with that more i think that's the uh, it was actually ryan england from a company in the u.s called core matters that shared the story of the keys and their, their whole thing was i think that the overriding feedback i hear is about attitude because you, it's hard to train attitude. It's it's easier to train um, skills. And that seems to be the, and cultural fit's important, which I think ties to ties to attitude for sure. Um, yeah. Great, well, that's ask, great advice. What, what, the last thing, if you think, ask most business owners, what keeps them up most about their employees? Really, it's lack, lack of skills. It's all about their attitude. You know, they're a cancerous, you know, influence on the rest of the team. You know, it's the way that they're showing up and behaving. And, Let's, let's see if you can eradicate that up front and make sure you've got a process that identifies bad attitudes or inappropriate attitudes up front, and then the skills will come later. Yeah, cool, great. This has been great. Really, really helpful to get a perspective and you know, really pleased that you could share some real life stories. I think it's useful right. to hear those and, and it helps people. We always finish with a, a handful of questions. Um, I know, so I'm I interested. <laughs> I'm, I'm interested in your, your answers um, as you're not technically on the tools in the same way, but um, if you were on the tools, if you were gonna pick a trade, what would it be? Our landscape gardening. Landscape gardening. Well, you're in the right part of the world for that. Um, not a huge amount of rain, I'd imagine. Yeah, wet seasons, you know, January, February, March. So there's plenty to keep things lush and green, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, cool, great. And then your favourite on-site lunch? Uh, it'd be a bacon and egg burger. Bacon and egg burger. 
from where or homemade oh, no no yeah the, the local um burger shop always the local burger shop is better than the than the uh the, the big chains yeah cool and then uh do you ever go to tool brand when you do get on the tools, if you're doing it around the house? Oh, listen, I, I do. We'll be back onto a national park here. So I've got a few, you know, power tools. So still is my, uh, uh, still, still brand is my go-to for the, uh, the power tools. Oh, you're the first one. Cool. Okay. Um, and then, you know, unfortunately, I know things are going up and down more sort of in New South Wales and, uh, and obviously Victoria with the, sort of COVID, um, but when, you know, as things are starting to open a bit more, is there a, is there a sporting event you would like to attend or a music event? What yeah, so um, I would go, uh, listen, I've been to a few, I'm an AFL follower. So yeah. um, I've been to AFL Grand Finals before, but not for about 35 years. So AFL Grand Final is almost like bucket list type. And who would um, be the team? To to. Um, well, I'm a Brisbane Lions fan. So yeah. when the Brisbane Lions are in, in the uh, in the in the grand final, I'd be there. Cool, great, okay. And then last question is: you you work with lots of, uh, as you mentioned, lots of trade companies. Anyone that you think we should speak to next that's interesting, um, that would have an interesting story? Well, I I do. I did mention Tim, who we yes. the first story I shared. I mean, Tim, um, he has a company called Lux's Greats, and the plumbers out there and the tilers would know that company because they have a linear grate um, tile insert um, that uh, is just world-class. And he has got a great story. So if you were going to ask someone else to have a chat with, um, Tim would be an amazing guest. Yeah. Great, cool, thank you. And then for ProTrade, for those of you that are interested, one thing I have noticed is that you have kind of short videos on YouTube that cover some of these topics. So I think if, you, if you're listening and, or watching and you mm. want to learn sort of high level, some of the tips and tricks around cash flow and some of those areas or hiring, I know you have some good videos on YouTube. So if you go to YouTube um, or actually go to protradeunited.com.au uh, and I think you can link to the YouTube channel from there. So there's lots of stuff on there. And um, if you want to track, track you, any, any, any other ways that track you guys down that everyone should hear oh, about? I yeah, listen, you know, that that's perfect. We've got dozens and dozens of little short videos, Michael, that um, in little snippets, little bite-sized pieces that you'd watch over smoke or over lunch if you wanted to to, to do so. Um, our website, we've got, yeah, literally hundreds of resources that you can have access to there as well, plus the social channels, you know, that are, that are there as well if you'd like to sort of stay in touch or connect with us in some way, shape or form. We'd love to support you. Great. Brilliant. John, really appreciate you spending the time. I know you're busy. So this has uh, been really insightful. And I think for trades companies thinking about maybe getting a coach or working with a network or working with a company like yourselves, um, this probably gives some good insight in terms of the process and how to approach that. So uh, thanks again. That was really good. You're welcome, Michael. Thanks very much and all the best, everyone. Yeah. So to all our listeners, thanks again for listening. And as always, please rate, review, uh, give us feedback. Um, until next time. Thanks very much. See ya. And that brings us to the end of this episode. Behind the Tools is brought to you by Tradeify, job management software for your trade business. If you enjoyed the podcast, let us know by leaving a review and be sure to tell your mates about it. Email behindthetools at tradeifyhq.com if you or someone you know would be keen to join the show as a guest.